You're listening to a message from Mercy Culture Church, home of Pastor Landon and Heather Schott in Fort Worth, Texas. For more information about Mercy Culture and ways that you can be a part of it, visit mercyculture.com. For the message this morning, so excited to be ministering to you this morning. I've been at all of our other campuses. It has been so fun, but I'm excited to be home with you this morning. I am preaching a message called Testify with Dunamis. You can text notes to 59090 because I have scripture and it's important to know and see the word of God. Amen? All right, so we'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 through 5. It says this, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. But my message or my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith would not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power or dunamis. This morning, I came to tell you that the fear of sharing our testimony, the fear of testifying who Jesus is, is falling off of you this very morning. Today, I declare that the dunamis power of God is coming upon you, church, to testify. Amen? All right, let us pray. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are already here. We thank you the power of the Holy Spirit is already in this room. And just like we worshiped this morning and we said, come and abide, we ask that you would not just abide in this room, Holy Spirit, but we ask that your power would abide in us as sons and daughters. We submit our minds, our hearts, our bodies, our spirits, every single part of us. We submit ourselves to you this morning. We say that every other spirit but the Holy Spirit has to go. In Jesus' mighty name. This morning, we set our eyes, we set our attention on you, King Jesus. We invite you to offend our flesh. I love the yeses in the room on that. We invite you again, Holy Spirit, to offend our flesh so that, Jesus, we would look less like the world, less like ourselves, so that we would look like you, sound like you, act like you. Lord, that we would be bondservants, fully submitted to your ways and all of who you are and your truth. So we say this morning, come and have your way, King Jesus. We give you all of the glory and all of the honor. All of the praise in Jesus' mighty name, amen. So we are seeing, if you have not already paid attention on the news and on social media, this, the, the, the uh, whispers of fear coming back to our nation. We, we are seeing more people in masks. We are hearing the talks about the next vaccination. We, we are, are, are seeing people already starting to go back and slip into a couple years ago what I call the pandemic of fear. Really, really grateful for a governor that on September 1st put a law into action that allows Texans to not be oppressed by COVID mandates, which means you do not have to get a vaccination. It means you do not have to wear a mask. It means nowhere publicly do we have to bow 
to the spirit of fear. So Lord, we thank you that your power and authority comes and who the Son sets free is free indeed. Thank you, Jesus. Man, that he won, that he won on the cross and he paid for our freedom first. I believe that it is a warning to us that we got the practice the first time around. But now I believe that we are in a time, we are walking into a time where we get to walk in, did we learn from our mistakes? Did we learn from bowing to fear? Did we learn from allowing news and the world to lead and guide our decisions and our families over the Holy Spirit? See, fear will stop up the vein of God's power in your life, period. I believe that God is looking for some vessels in this hour that say whatever Jesus, you want to do in and through me. Whatever it is, whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, I'm here for it, Jesus. I believe he's looking for some merry vessels that literally she said, I am your bondservant. Do in and through me as you please. Or some John the Baptist that says, I must decrease so that you may increase. Or some Paul's that says, I will. I will boast in my weakness because it's in my weakness that his power manifests in and through us. I believe that the Lord is looking for some Moses vessels that says, I can't have it any other way. I just have your, I have to have your presence. I don't even care about entering into a promised land. Lord, the only thing I care about, the only thing that I must have is to have your presence. The cry of Moses' heart, the declaration of John the Baptist, the prayer of Mary, I believe, are the prayers and declaration and cries of this house. I believe he's looking for some vessels that drop their conditions and that stop complicating Christianity and just simply obey his voice. I love that man. He's looking for some people that simply will just obey his word, no matter the cost. Conditions mean, Lord, if you show up and do this, then I will. If you give this much, then I will. As long as I don't lose this, as long as my reputation isn't. And we have given God these conditions in our Christianity. And I believe that we are, we are in, we are entering into a time where God is going to anoint those that don't have a conditional Christianity. He is going to fill those with a dunamis power that do not have a conditional Christianity. I believe he's looking for some vessels that will allow a bold and an honest and a holy testimony to pour through us. He's looking for those that won't put on the brakes when he wants to move through us in a different way, in a different form, in a different fashion. It reminds me of Paul. In Acts 9, 15, it says, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name or what, to be a witness before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. I believe that the Lord has called chosen vessels in this house 
for this hour to be witnesses or to bear the name of Jesus. What do I mean by bearing the name? of Jesus, right, or bearing testimony. This is the word that we get. It's called martureo. It means to bear witness or to testify. Martureon is a testimony or it is a witness. This is how it's used, to bear witness or to give evidence or to give a good report or to testify or bring proof. Another form of this definition says it this way to give testimony in opposition to not keep back. I believe many of us have withheld or kept back our testimony for too many reasons. And we're gonna get into it this morning, but I believe that those reasons are going to die this morning because they're not reasons that Jesus receives as wisdom. Many of us have thought that we're operating in godly wisdom in our silence, in not offending, in not sharing our testimony. We have withheld the witness of Jesus Christ that's on our life. John 15, 18 through 19 and 26 through 27 says it like this. If the world hates you, understand that it hated me first. This is Jesus saying it to us. If you were of the world, if you would love you as it's, if you were of the world, it would love you as its own. But instead the world hates you because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. Verse 26, when the advocate or the Holy Spirit comes, church, he's here, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. And you must also testify because you have been with me from the beginning. The word of God, Jesus is clear. He has called every single one of us to testify. Every person sitting in this room this morning, you have a testimony. What is a testimony? It is something that Jesus has done for you in your life. I guarantee there's not one person sitting in here in this room that would say, Jesus has never done a thing for me. This means you have a testimony. I had a radical testimony when I met Landon and the Lord supernaturally delivered me from all types of things. Man, when I sing that, he made a way for me. I weep every single time because he's made a way for me. Jesus supernaturally delivered me. I thought when I first met my husband, like, wow, he doesn't have a testimony, man. He, he was, you know, he's a virgin. He's never touched alcohol. He's never touched a drug. He preached his first sermon in India at 14 years old. Who is this guy? And then as I spiritually matured and grew, I realized he had the greatest testimony there was. I begin to realize this is the testimony I want my children to have. This is the way I wanna raise them in a holy fear of God, that they would keep themselves away from wickedness, the sin of this world. I wanna encourage some of you this morning that the enemy has said to you, you don't have a testimony because you were raised in a Christian home. You were set apart. You had parents that feared the Lord. You kept yourself. The Lord kept you. 
you have one of the greatest testimonies in this hour that is probably one of the most unique testimonies that we want this next generation to walk in. You have a testimony. And then of course, later on in years in marriage, I realized there was some junk <laughs> that the Lord healed and delivered us together and him from. And so nevertheless, even being raised in a Christian home by God-fearing parents and not doing the big sins that church calls it, you have a testimony. And in that testimony, what is it? When we begin to testify of what he did in our lives, right there, what he did in and through our lives, it points to our Savior. Our testimony points a broken, dark, hurting, wicked world to a savior. And this is why I believe there has been so much resistance against the body of Christ, against you and I in sharing our testimony or bearing witness because Jesus is jealous for a billion harvest. He is jealous for souls in this hour. He is jealous for the lost. It said he would, the Bible says he would leave all of us to go after the one. So I ask you this morning, are you going after the one like he would? Are you going after the one or are you too busy? Are you too fearful? Are you too worried of offending somebody? Are you still carrying shame from years ago? This morning, I pray religion, I pray fear, I pray the antichrist spirit breaks off of you this morning because church, you are called by God to testify. You are called by God to testify. The greatest thing that you have to offer the world and people around you, do you know this, is the testimony of Jesus Christ. It is not your gifts, it's not how great of a businessman you are. It's not how great of an artist you are. All those other gifts, it is not the greatest thing that you have to offer to the world around you, to the people around you. Your witness or testimony of Jesus Christ is the greatest thing you have to offer. So here are some practical tips on testifying. One, stop waiting for the perfect time. There's no perfect time. We do this about everything in life, from having children to starting a business. Like we're gonna wake up one day and everything is perfect in our world and now I can do all of these things. And it's also not how Jesus does anything through us because he doesn't get the glory that way. And so I wanna tell you this morning, stop waiting for the perfect time. Number two, stop waiting for you to become a theologian. It's probably not gonna happen anyways. And I'm sorry, but some of, some of the theologians are like the worst witnesses. Because they just sit there and argue over the word of God all day. It's like, have you told anybody about Jesus? Not all, not all. Dr. Brown, you're so amazing. He, he's a witness everywhere, interceding for revival. I love Dr. Brown, our apostolic elder. So stop waiting for you to, be, you to know the word of God inside and out. Do you know that that is actually what the world is waiting to sit there and argue with you over scripture. But they can't argue what Jesus has done in your life. That's why your testimony is so powerful. They can't argue with you about what he's done in and through you. Number three, write down what Jesus has done for you. I say this because many of us, like when Pastor Jasmine was ministering up here, we have forgotten what God has done in our life for us. 
Therefore, we are not thankful. Therefore, we are not testifying. And so write down, write down, what has God done? And I'm I'm telling you, you begin to write down all that God has done for you in your life and there's gonna be faith bursting through you. Like, give me a brick wall to run through. Jesus is gonna get me through this brick wall. And that's the faith, that's the hope that this world needs. So write down what Jesus has done for you. Number four, invite the Holy Spirit to speak through you every single day. Every single day in your encounter time, driving in the car, wherever you're going, invite the Holy Spirit to speak through. Because when you invite him and you give him that invitation, I promise you, words of knowledge or words of encouragement or a prayer, all of a sudden, man, I have to go pray for that person. Or parts of your testimony, specific stories, the Lord will say, this person needs it. And it's this so much fun. It's an adventure with the Lord because you get to meet people that need to meet Jesus. Number five, share with those that are close to you. So share your testimony with those. If you haven't begun to testify, share with those close to you. And then also include family members, friends, and people around you to begin to just cover you in prayer and be in it with you. Sometimes family members or individuals close to us have the hardest time, and I'm going to get into it why later, but invite them into the process I would not allow their response to negate whether or not you obey the Lord, but you can invite them into the process to pray with you and honor them as you testify. Number six, begin sharing with strangers and make your stories, your freedom stories or your testimonies, the conversation starters. Look, I get Texas gives us great conversation starters with the weather because it's crazy. It can be 109 and then hailing like it was at my house on Friday. But instead, allow each other's stories. You meet somebody at a ball game. Hey, man, what's your story? Let me tell you mine. And all of a sudden, man, Jesus did this for me. Jesus has done this. And who's this Jesus you're talking about? Man, this Jesus that did this for me, do you know that he died on the cross for you thousands of years ago? Do you not know him? Because if you don't know him, you have to know him. All of a sudden, your story begins to point to Jesus. Number seven, grow in obedience and confidence in sharing your testimony. And then don't stop. Don't stop telling your story. Don't stop testifying. Don't stop every, everywhere you go. If you think, man, I'm at a certain age, I should stop. I don't know why. I don't know why we get this in our minds. Like we have grown out of our testimony or what Jesus has done for us. I think it's another way the enemy resists the Holy Spirit in and through us. But I'm telling you, no matter your age, no matter your color, no matter your status, no matter what it is, don't stop testifying of what Jesus has done in and through your life. And I make this point as I close in in this practical advice and how to share your testimony, that both men and women are called to testify and preach the good news. Come on, can I hear an amen? (laughs) Both men and women are called to testify and preach the good news. Let me show you in the word of God. John chapter four, it's a story of a woman at the well. This woman was a sinful woman. Jesus had been traveling, he's exhausted, he's hungry. He's been ministering everywhere he goes, but I believe in this moment, 
Jesus was like, just one more, just one more. The disciples go into town to go get some food for Jesus. And Jesus meets this woman at the well. And he begins to tell her all of her sins that she has done. She says, wow, I see you are a prophet. And then she begins to talk about how she has faith in this Messiah coming. He introduces himself and says, I am he. I am the Messiah that you are talking about. And this woman, if we jump into verse 27, this is what happens. And it's so beautiful. And upon this, his disciples came, they came back from town, and they were amazed that he was speaking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek or why do you speak with her? Verse 28, then the woman left her water pot. This is so beautiful because what she once thought she had need for, she no longer had need for any longer because she met the living water. It says the woman left her water pot and she went away into the city and she says to the men, the woman begins to go testify to the men. And what does she say? She says, come and see a man who told me all the things I ever did. She begins to testify. And the Bible says that as she goes to testify, many Samaritans believe in verse 39. And out of that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of her testimony. So beautiful because it then says all of them begin to beg Jesus when they go and find him, would you abide? Just like we were crying out this morning, would you abide with us and would you stay? Her encounter with Jesus led to an entire city encountering Jesus. The dunamis power of God came and anointed a woman. You say, how do you know that she was anointed? Let me say it like this. This woman who was once five minutes ago a sinful woman that Jesus saves, sets free, delivers, goes in and brings revival into her city and does more than most pastors will ever do for their city from a platform and a green room. She was anointed by God to shift the trajectory of her city. Jesus meets one soul. That one soul leads to hundreds, maybe thousands of souls. This is the power of your testimony, church. Let me remind you of what to testify means. It means taught by divine revelation or inspiration. It means divine, a Holy Spirit or God comes and brings a divine revelation. It also means this, to witness, to bear witness, to give evidence, to testify or to give a good report. So what does it mean, the word of our testimony? It means a divine declaration or distinct words by the Spirit of God to witness or bring proof of who Jesus is our Savior. Man, are you starting to see the power of the word of your testimony? The power of the word of your testimony is a divine declaration that shifts the lives of souls. It is eternity that we are talking about. That's what hangs on your testimony. I wanted to encourage uh, the men of this house to be empowered by the Holy Spirit as the head of your house to be a witness and to testify and then to empower your wife to be a witness everywhere she goes. 
want the women of this house to be awakened. I know we live in Texas. There's a strong religious spirit that loves to silence the body of Christ, loves to silence women's voices. I want to tell you and shake you awake this morning. You are a part of the great commission of making disciples like he told us to do. You are disobedient if you are not fulfilling the great commission and testifying or preaching the good news. In fact, I want to share this with you. Esther 4.14 literally says this, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. Let me pause here. He is saying, if you want to stay silent, look, I'll go and choose somebody else. But I really hope you awaken to the opportunity right now that I want to pour my spirit, that I want to pour my dutimous power, that I want to pour my anointing in and through you. Stop letting it be stopped up by a spirit of religion. He says, if you say no, if you give me your no, I'll choose somebody else. And this is interesting because then it goes on to say, but you and your father's house will perish. The verse right before this is speaking to this portion of scripture that says, don't think that you're getting out safe by choosing the comfortable Christianity route. I can just, you know, not have to speak out about abortion right now. If I could, if I could just get around of not having to testify about what Jesus has done. If I, if I could just get around of, 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 of being the, the quieter Christian and just going on Sundays. And the Lord warns Esther and says, look, the evil that is coming to your people, don't be deceived. You will not escape it. I believe he is saying to this house, he is saying to us right now, for if you are silent, I will choose somebody else. But don't think that your silence is your protection because your silence is not your protection. It is actually the very thing that can cause you and your house to perish. I hope that this awakens us this morning because there is a broken and hurting world. And every single one of us will stand before a jealous God one day. Me by myself, you by yourself, nobody, not our spouse, not our pastor, nobody. We will stand before the King of Kings. And I believe one of the questions he is gonna ask us is how many brothers and sisters did you bring into eternity with you? I don't want to stand before him and say zero, one, two, and heartache in our king. As he says, but don't you remember all that I did for you? Don't you remember the testimony that I gave you? You kept that for yourself? You mean the way I set you free, you didn't share with a dark world in bondage? You mean I gave you the key to freedom and you withheld it? Do you feel the fear of the Lord this morning?
Church, we cannot be silent with the testimony that he has given us of him. The woman at the well was empowered by the living God to be a witness to her city that the Messiah was here. Church, the Messiah is coming back. We are called to be witnesses as she was. She was a witness just like the Apostle Paul. In fact, the greatest call on Paul was the one that Jesus also himself first calls Paul to. Go with me to Acts chapter 22. You know the story of Saul to Paul that he was persecuting Christians, that he was putting them in prison. He was behind the, the, uh, Stephen's death. He, he was a Pharisee that was persecuting Christians. And then he is on the road to Damascus where Jesus comes and encounters him. And this encounter with Jesus transforms his life that transformed literally nations, thousands of lives. So God calls Paul to testify to tell his story, to tell his freedom story. And as Paul is standing before a crowd that is ready to rip him to pieces, they want an unjust justice done to him. Paul stands before them and he tells him the entire testimony, all that Jesus did for him. And then he says this in verse 14, the God of our fathers, he's repeating Jesus, what Jesus said to him in his encounter. The God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear his voice. You will be his witness to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And then he says this to him. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on his name. I love this portion of scripture because many of you that are struggling with shame or fear this morning, he was a great persecutor of Christians. And in one moment, he encounters God. And Jesus says to him, what are you waiting for? Get up. Now go testify. He said it to the woman at the well. Great, you're healed. You're delivered. Don't go sin anymore. Now, now go testify. Many of you have had years that have passed and never testified. I want to also point this out in verse 17. It says, later when I returned to Jerusalem and I was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord saying to me, hurry, leave Jerusalem quickly because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. Notice here in scripture that Jesus knew they weren't going to accept his testimony, but he sent him anyway. It wasn't about the response. And so often this is how we wait for the perfect moment for somebody, hoping if we say it just the right poetic way, I say nothing offensive at all, maybe then they'll receive. See, Paul was sent on a mission by God, and I love this because it says they will not accept your testimony about me. I tell you this morning that your testimony is not your own. He is the author of your story. He is your redeemer. He is the one that set you free. He is the one that delivered you. He is the one that healed you. It is his story that he is writing. He is not finished yet. So, how dare us 
try to stop up the author of our story from pouring and speaking through us. We have said, God, come heal me, come deliver me, come set me free. Oh, I'm your bondservant. As long as you set me free and give me a comfortable Christian life. And then he's like, okay, I gave you a testimony. Now get up. What are you waiting for? I believe he's saying that to us this, this morning. What are you waiting for? Why are you withholding your testimony about me? See, the other interesting thing about this portion of scripture is he continues to testify. And then in verse 21, Paul continues and he says, Then he said to me, Go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And the Bible says that the crowd listened to Paul until he made this fairy statement. But then they lifted up their voices and shouted, Rid the earth of him, he's not fit to live. You read this portion of scripture. I remember like when I was studying on, on sharing testimonies, I thought, man, Paul, why, why couldn't you have just stopped and not said the Gentile part? Like, you know, that's offensive to the Jewish people. They think they're below and under and, and like God is, they're the only chosen people and they're not being sent. Well, you know, why, why did you not just leave that part of your story out? And then I realized as I thought, man, Paul, you should have left that part out. I was like, I heard the Holy Spirit say, isn't that what you do to each other? Why did you have to say that offensive part of your story? Couldn't you have just kept that G-rated? Couldn't you have just said it in a different form or a different way? And instead of encouraging one another, praying and sending each other as we testify, we begin to fight or gnash at each other, offended by the testimony of Jesus through us. But your testimony isn't yours, church. Do you know that when you received Jesus into your life, you became a free man and a bondservant at the same time? That he sets you free from the bondage of sin by him giving his all on the cross. We are free in Christ Jesus because of what he did for us. Even though we're guilty, we're not because of what he did. But then when we receive salvation, I say, I submit my life to you, Jesus. My life is no longer my own, which means what? Now my greatest calling in life is being a servant of Jesus Christ being a bondservant of Jesus Christ, which means, Lord, you are my Lord. You are my master. And whatever you call me to say, wherever you call me to go, at whatever time you tell me to go, I'm there. This is what the body of Christ, an army that I believe he is raising up in this hour. When, where, I'm there, Jesus. I love it because in the word of God, this is how you see his disciples. This is how you see Paul. I believe America can get into a scary place because we don't know what persecution is. We don't know what it's like to stand before a crowd saying, don't let him live. 
We're worried about losing followers on Instagram. I don't think that he considers that persecution, y'all. We're afraid of some comments on a post when we barely stepped out on an issue. I don't think he considers that persecution. But the word is clear that we should go through persecution. So if I'm not walking through persecution, then what am I doing in this Christian life of mine? If I've received no true persecution, let me tell you how good God is about persecution. Acts 23, 10 through 11 is now Paul testifying before the Sanhedrin. And it says that the dispute grew so violent that the commander was afraid that they were gonna tear Paul to pieces. I love this. I wanna be, Lord, make me bold like this, that like Paul, not caring who is standing before him, doesn't care what's caught. He's like, look, Whatever Jesus tells me to say is what I'm going to say and do. So they, they're ready to rip him to pieces. And listen to the response of the Lord. It shows both sides of him, how ferocious and how tender he is. It says, the following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, take courage. Jesus came and he became intimate. He came near Paul to give him strength and to say, I'm not leaving you in this. I'm not sending you to testify to all of them on alone. I am with you. Take courage. I believe he's saying this to us this morning. Morning, Mercy Culture Church, take courage in this hour. Take courage no matter what happens in the world, no matter the accusations that come your way, no matter mother and daughter turn against each other, father and son, whatever takes place, are you fully submitted to him to take courage? to trust and to obey the words of the Lord. And then he says, as you have testif testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. He's, he's like, hey, you think it's bad here right now? Don't worry, Rome is waiting for you and they're not gonna receive your testimony either, but I'm gonna send you anyways. So many of you have thought because you got a little resistance, because you got a little accusation or a little mockery your way, that like that's your sign to backpedal off of being a witness for Jesus. This is the moment that you lean in and you are all in to testifying of what Jesus has done for you. This was Paul. Bible says that he goes to Rome, he stands before a king, he stands before a Roman governor, and he doesn't introduce himself as Apostle Paul. Guess what he introduces himself as? A witness and a servant of Jesus Christ. It's the greatest call that is on your life. I encourage you, 1 Peter 3, 13 through 17. Oh, and by the way, they mocked him and called him insane. It's counted unto him as righteousness. First Peter 3, 13 through 17. Listen. Who can harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Ha! Who can harm you? Who can harm you if you are zealous 
for what is good. Verse 14 says, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be shaken. Another translation says, do not fear their threats. But in your heart, sanctify Christ as Lord and always be prepared to give a defense to everyone who asks you for the reason of the hope that is within you. Verse 17. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Did you hear the word of the Lord this morning? The word of God says, do not fear them, nor their threats, but do God's will. And even if you suffer, still do what is right and you will be blessed. Do you know what that word blessed means? It means how hard you are working right now to be blessed will become so much easier when you just become obedient to him. All of a sudden, you become obedient and sharing and testifying everywhere you go. And you're like, why is my business exploding right now? Where did that random check come from in the mail? Why all of a sudden are my kids who were wayward, now they're worshiping Jesus? Because you're blessed when you obey the word of God. You are blessed when Jesus says, go testify, go tell the world, go be a light in darkness. He begins to bless you for obeying his word. And Paul spoke about a man named Stephen. And he said, I stood before, as he's testifying everywhere he goes, he said, I stood in front of this man named Stephen and I was behind his stoning. I was behind him being a martyr. We go to that portion of scripture to read about it. And it says in Acts 6, 8 through 15, now Stephen, who was full of grace and power or what dudamus Stephen was full of the dudamus of God it said he was performing great wonders and signs among the people but resistance arose from what was called the synagogue of the freedmen this word freedmen is a latin word and it actually means freed men or people that were once in bondage or slavery and were set free Isn't it interesting? It says that they began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up to his wisdom by the spirit of whom he spoke. But then they stirred up all the elders and leaders against Stephen. Isn't it interesting that it was the freedmen that began to accuse Paul's testimony of Jesus? What am I telling you this morning? Do not be surprised when Christians or religious folk begin to stir up trouble because you begin to stand out and testify. Look, the enemy will use anybody and everybody he can possibly get to frustrate or to bring a resistance against the testimony of Jesus in and through you. Because it means more freed men. So many of us, it's another thing. Oh, that Christian or that religious person really warned me. If I start standing out and sharing my testimony, there's going to be all kinds of warfare that comes my way. Just repeating the spirit of fear or Jezebel over you. 
No, I I rebuke that. I'll have none of that. Let me testify to you this morning. The more and more I have testified, the more and more I release my story and get it out there into others' lives, the more free I become and the more free others become. That is the truth. So it says that they bring this resistance against him. They begin to attack him. And it says, all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen and they saw that his face was like that of an angel. I want to tell you this morning that your daily encounters with the Lord, desiring his presence over anything else, will allow you to be confident and being set apart and distinct for Jesus. It was a moment just like Moses when he came down from the mountain. He had been with God. And it says that his face shone in this moment. Stephen, they're seeing him and they are seeing God all over him. Why? Because he had an intimate relationship with Jesus that kept him when the threats and the persecution came. I'm telling you, your daily encounters will keep you. Why? Because it's Jesus that you're meeting with. It's when he comes near. It's when he comes near and all of a sudden you are feeling that anxiety and your chest beat like this. But then the spirit of God comes and all of a sudden it's gone. And boldness comes and says, I'm not just stopping sharing there, man. Tomorrow I'm finding five people. Tomorrow, I'm shouting from my platform what Jesus has done. Tomorrow, I'm using the influence that God has given me to make his name famous. It's your daily encounters that keep you confident in being set apart and distinct. See, Stephen, I love this because Stephen did not lean away from their threats just like Paul. A lot of us would see influential people, people with titles especially, and allow that to birth a fear, again, to backpedal. The, the enemy will use any form of intimidation he can. But listen to what Stephen's reply was, Acts 7, 51 through 56. You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit, just as your fathers did. Which of the prophets did your fathers fail to persecute? They even killed those who foretold the coming of the righteous one, and now you are his betrayers and murderers. You who received the law ordained by angels yet have not kept it. I want to tell you this morning that those that resist a testimony of Jesus are those that resist the Holy Spirit. This is why every time you step out, you will probably meet a religious spirit or an antichrist spirit. Because it will resist the spirit of God that lives on the inside of you. The Bible says that the spirit of God and the word of God live to testify about Jesus. So if the word of God and the spirit of God live on the inside of us, how can we not, church? How can we not? Us we're bowing to a spirit of fear. Stephen was the first Christian martyr. And this word martyr, when you look at it in the Greek, 
actually comes from the same root word as martureo, the word that means to testify or to bear witness. It comes from martus. Martus is the, is the foundational word for martyr and for testimony. And it literally means to bear witness or to testify or to give evidence. What does this mean? This means you cannot separate being a witness for Jesus and persecution. Did you hear what I said this morning? This means you cannot separate being a witness for Jesus and persecution. I'm leaning in on this vein this morning because I believe the body of Christ has bowed to fear even mercy culture known for its boldness for far too long. We don't know what it is to be a martyr to obey Jesus unto the death. What if that day is tomorrow or in a year from now? Are you ready to testify before people chanting for your death? I believe it is coming to America. I was on a run a couple years ago as I was... Um, training for justice run for the marathon and I had so much time with the Lord with all of that running, prepping for a marathon. And in one of the runs, I had a full on vision of me standing on a political platform giving a speech. And as I'm standing on the political platform giving a speech, there was bullets that were shot at me. And I, on my run, I'm like, oh my goodness. And it's funny because Pastor Jasmine said that the word amen said, so be it. And up out of my spirit, I said to the Lord, so be it. And I felt it was a test from the Lord to see how much of me he had of me. I don't necessarily know if it was a prophetic picture, but was it a vision saying, Heather, but do I have all of you? Do I have every part of your mouth, your mind, your soul, your heart, your being, every part, your finances, your family, your marriage? I believe he's asking us that to prepare us for what is coming to America. Is are we ready down to the death to obey him? I wanna be ready if that day comes. And I believe that he is looking for those who will testify with dunamis power. And those are the ones that he will call upon. Those are the ones, listen, that he will anoint and flow through. I believe that he is looking for those that are not afraid to share their testimony, but those that can't stop sharing what they have seen and heard. And I think for far too long, we have made it about our fears and our insecurities all the why nots we can't, instead of our focus being how can I not? He has been so, so good. I'm the only one that believes that he has been so, so good this morning. He has been so, so good. He deserves every single part of us. He deserves all of our fear. Our final scripture is gonna be in Acts. And we see this in Peter. 
Acts chapter, let me get to it. Let's just move four, verse eight through 20. It says, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. He says to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we're being examined today about a kind of service to a man who was lame to determine how he was healed, let me pause. Peter, who was once the denier of Jesus, now encounters Jesus on the seashore. God reinstates him. Now he's standing filled with the Holy Spirit and boldness. And they are being persecuted by the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders, the political leaders, because a man was healed. There is an uproar about this man that is being healed. So what does Peter do? Peter's just standing at the front and he just starts testifying as the lame man is just standing next to him. Totally healed. Peter is testifying of what this Jesus had just done and he knows that they don't want him to speak of this Jesus but he replies back and says look there's salvation no other way this healing cannot take place any other way but this man named Jesus he begins to testify and in the testimony he begins to point to Jesus and they respond and say look the man is standing before us there there's nothing that we can say in response. There's nothing that we can argue with. In fact, it says in verse 16, it is clear to everyone living in Jerusalem that a remarkable miracle has occurred through them and we cannot deny it. Mercy Culture Church, this is you. You are the undeniable proof that Jesus Christ is real. You are the undeniable proof that he healed you, that he set you free, that what he did on the cross thousands of years ago is true and real, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are the proof. Stop withholding the proof from a world that needs to know a perfect savior. You are the remarkable miracle. Worship team, you can come up. I'll tell you this morning, I already told you that it was an antichrist spirit, a religious spirit that comes. As they begin to try to say, no, don't talk about this name anymore. Don't bring up the name of Jesus anymore. The response is this. Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to listen to you rather than God. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. I believe that this has to be the anthem of our church and our day. I came to tell you this morning what I tell my children not to do. Tell them all the time, you can't quit, you can't give up. Well, let me tell you this morning, you can quit and give up on anything but your witness and testimony of who Jesus is. That you cannot stop doing. That you cannot give up on. That you cannot trade for something else. I believe the church should be echoing this portion of scripture. 
for we cannot stop speaking. No matter what comes my way, no matter who hates me for it, no matter what happens to my business, no matter the pain, no matter the uncomfortability, no matter the persecution, oh, I cannot stop speaking about what I have seen and heard. I cannot stop speaking about this Messiah and what he has done for me, what he has done for my family, what he has done for my children, what he has done for my marriage. Go ahead and try to stop me. Go ahead and try to put a mask to silence me, but I will not be silenced, for I cannot stop speaking about what I have seen and heard. This has to be the cry of the church, the stance of the church. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Mercy Culture Church. If this podcast has blessed you, we'd like to encourage you to share it with a friend. To learn more about us, find us on social media and online at mercyculture.com. 